current events current events we need like a news song to play when we do current events <laughs> there you go that you just heard that'll it. be it that'll be it every time we do a happenings episode that's what we'll play hang on let me let me save that real quick <laughs> control s did you guys watch the super bowl wait what's the super bowl was, was it? <laughs> this this was a big week not only was it the super bowl but this is episode number two zero oh you're right whoa completely forgot yeah yep yep all right big week yeah it's a big one so, so you guys you both watched it right yeah, I kind of had to because I live in Kansas City, so mm-hmm. and they played. So if I didn't, it would have been sacrilegious. But yeah, um, I was, of course, let down as I have been about everything in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> everything I get excited for turns to shit. So that's what happened during the game. Um, that's the most positive thing I think I've heard all week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I try to be a light of optimism. On this set, on this show, if you haven't figured it out by now, that's kind of my mo. But yeah, the game itself was pretty lackluster. Um, as a Kansas City fan, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things and just ran the show and uh-huh. won his seventh Super Bowl, which is cool. Good for him. Um, it's crazy. He's been in ten, right? One yeah, seven. Th- I think so. That's Which is pretty insane that he's won seventy percent of the Super Bowls that he's been in. Well, yeah. just going to ten of them—that's right. It's pretty incredible. wild. So, yeah, he's definitely the goat. I uh, I tell everyone that I hate him, but I really <laughs> only hate him because of the hype. I think like mm-hmm. I'm one of those people. You know, if someone if someone is too big for their britches, I have to hate them. Yeah, I actually think. Um, we talked to someone a few weeks ago at the airport, a musician, uh, who who I would call a friend. I mean, just since we've gotten to know him and stuff, but it was really funny because he said basically the same thing about us. He's like, I was a Talbot hater because <laughs> I think, you know, until you realize the time and Tom Brady's a pretty humble guy. He, he just does his job. Right. And- you know, until you realize that, like that, no, nobody thinks. Maybe he does think he's the greatest of all time, but I don't know. It was yeah. just—it's just funny to sometimes to hear that and be like, "Why would you think that?" I don't think that. Right. You know, right. like Tom Brady would probably. Well, maybe now he does think he's the greatest of all time. He probably does. Back when he was like deflating footballs and stuff, he must. <laughs> he must Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Well, that was Belichick. He- he yeah he does have a cool story of like was basically a a terrible prospect coming into the NFL and yep. then didn't play for a while and got his got his chance because the guy ahead of him got injured and then when the guy that was injured was healthy again they were just like nah he's Tom's too good we're gonna keep playing with him so he took advantage of, advantage of his opportunity and kind of the rest was history so yeah. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really have, fault him for that. He has that story, which we all like, you know, which. Yeah. It, 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 why do we, it's weird that we think, I mean, I'm the same way, like you said, the hype or whatever. Why do we feel like we don't want to like the guy just because 
A lot of people do. The Patriots was like a weird thing for a while there. Remember, like everybody hated yeah. the Patriots just because they kept winning. And yeah, I just I think it's this desire to never want to be a bandwagoner. Yeah. So like, if some if they're really good, you don't want to be the guy that likes them just because they're good and popular, right? Yeah. Now. Or like just anything, not even sports related, but just music, in life. movies. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, Stupid. Because it is the popular opinion and it's an easy way to pretend like you have things to talk about with people. So yeah, whatever. But I feel like the thing that we, any of us are, the only thing about the Super Bowl that any of us are really qualified to talk about probably (laughs) are the performances. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought we could do that uh, because there were some good ones. First of all, I wanted to ask, do you guys know... um, how common it is for people to use backing tracks on the national anthem. It seems like to me, it seems like in years past, it's always just kind of the artist singing acapella or maybe with a guitar or something. Yeah. But this year, Eric church and Jasmine Sullivan played the national anthem and Eric church played guitar, but he was not playing. He may have been playing, but the, guitar part that most people heard was a track and they had this like full band high production track and it just seemed odd to me for some reason i don't know what what you guys thought of that or if you noticed so was the guitar um for sure acoustic it was a track or you feel like he was actually i could tell it was a track because watching his fingers didn't match what was going on with the guitar like the guitar track had these little flourishes that he wasn't doing with his fingers, you know? He's one of those... little slides between chords that he wasn't doing. He's one of those guys where I could probably not see him singing without his guitar. So so he probably, even if it wasn't coming through, or maybe maybe it was coming through, but what you were hearing up top was a track. I bet bet it was like a comfort thing. But yeah, but, but you're right, I... I feel like the ones that I've remembered, it's been acapella, but but maybe that's wrong. I just can't remember, right? I mean, I think I, it should be acapella, but I think the reality of the production side of it is it's so massive and so fast-paced. I don't know that they would have time to set up. You know, like what was, I don't remember what Super Bowl it was, but there was that whole thing about the Red Hot Chili Peppers coming out and like their bass player, Flea, he, he wasn't even plugged into anything. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just playing along with the tracks, but I mean, I don't know. In ear monitors, probably listening along to a track that's being played that everybody else hears in real time, probably right. like ensures that it's going to go over really smooth. But right, it for me, it always kind of diminishes the value, and it's like I, I would just wish it would have been really simple and authentic. But mm, I don't yeah. know the reality of that. Yeah. Like, I don't, know I don't have anything possible. against like people performing with tracks. Like I want right. to go on record and say that, but it, it the reason it seemed weird was just because it was the national anthem. Yeah, totally. and I feel like historically it's always been kind of just the singer, maybe a, maybe an instrument or two or whatever. But it was like a full like drums, <sighs> like whole band backing track, and mm-hmm. I I can't say it really took away from what was going on or was distracting, but. For some reason, that was like the only thing I could think about because I'm a psychopath. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm sure no one else noticed it. 
Well, I think they wanted to like blend some genres and stuff too. Like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to, to me as well. So I yeah. don't know. I didn't even realize that was Eric Church at first. Yeah. I- He's the kind of guy that I would never recognize unless someone told me who he was. Right. He you always know, like wears Dave like Matthews. the sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> it's in like every if you guys are both sitting down at Applebee's and you look over and <laughs> you just see him and you kind of nod, but you, yeah. you know, he knows who he is, but you have no idea who he is. He kind of looks like, he kind of looks like someone who looks like Eric Church. Well, he kind of, yeah. he kind of had like more of a Springsteen look. For this show, and I'm used to him in like the ball cap, yeah, type look. You're right, but he, he had his hair kind of like slicked back, and you know, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even realize it was him. And I think um, Jasmine Sullivan, who sang with him, kind of stole the show anyway. So it was like <laughs> he kind of right. seemed like he was just she chilling. Was super good. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I didn't know who she was. Same. Yeah. So, and I still don't really, but I th- yeah, I thought um uh her playing America the Beautiful was probably like the strongest musical performance of the mm. night. Like it she used tracks for sure, but she was playing her electric guitar live and singing live and I Yeah, she for and, sure was. And it was super smooth and like I don't know, just to have, I don't know, to have like a person of color singing that song at the Super Bowl, mm. it just felt really good to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I it just felt like, you know, going into this Super Bowl, I really didn't know what to expect as far as, there were some talks about like not doing the national anthem and things like that just because of everything that's been going on in the world and... Mm. um. So I thought it was really cool that like a person of color came up and sang that song and did it really well and she seemed super passionate and like mm-hmm. even the the sign the guy that was doing the sign language for the song just seemed like dude he was going hard yeah he was into that yeah and it just made me feel good you know as a person who obviously I you know I know all three of us are the same just people are people and we're not blind to, you know, how certain demographics are treated in our country right. and stuff like that. But it was, it just felt really good. And I felt, I, man, it really felt like the first time I've really been able to breathe thinking about all the discord that's happening in, in the country right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. the... It, it, it was, she did so good and she's such a good performer. Like, oh my gosh, she, incredible singer. And she's just playing these like electric guitar chords she's plucking mm-hmm. through. And then she gets to that solo part and just rips like this Captain America, like Jimi Hendrix, you know, style <laughs> right. solo. And it was so good. Yeah. That was my, yeah. that, that was my favorite performance. And, so, so that was the very first thing, and then, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Bruce Springsteen. Just kidding. I mean Eric Church and <laughs> right, um, Jasmine Sullivan played, and that, that and, and it was really good. I really liked their performance of it. But yeah, you're yeah. right. It's it's weird that backing track thing. 
I don't know if I just haven't paid attention in the past, but it seemed like it was a lot more prevalent this year. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they did that because the um, the crowd was. I, I haven't looked at the actual numbers, but the the attendance was actually way less, right? Because of the unnamed thing. Maybe we should uh-huh. look that up. Because I I know that there was like a ton of healthcare workers that got invited that um had been actually had been vaccinated. So it was like yeah. kind, of, kind of an interesting. But I don't know what the actual attendance was. I know so there they was, had uh, twenty five thousand fans, thirty thousand uh, cutouts, which was wow. hilarious. Wow! So when we when we first saw uh, the stadium, it looked full, and I was like, "Yeah, social distancing, my ass." Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it did. <laughs> but look what full. I was really seeing was all mm-hmm. those fake like paper cutouts of people. So. It, they paid, you had to pay a hundred dollars to have one of those of you put in the seats and there's 30,000 of them. So People did that. Oh my do the, gosh. Do the math on that. But That's like at least $300. It's at least $300. That right. they made. Holy cow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's like the old playing Madden on Nintendo 64, like 2D people in the audience. <laughs> yeah. So they I made three three million dollars just off people, uh, people sending in cardboard cutouts. So do you which guys, in reality, like a Super Bowl ticket is way less than a hundred dollars. So they lost money on that deal probably, but compared yeah. to what they would normally make on attendance, but so they probably pumped like crowd audio right through. I would imagine, yeah. I mean, twenty five thousand people is still a lot of people, but in the stadium holds 70,000. So you have to imagine it probably still feels kind of empty. Something so makes me pumped some audio through. Something makes me feel kind of uncomfortable about the fact that they probably pumped um, booing audio. Mm. You know, like who who decides? Okay, right boo there. now. Boo now. Yeah. A, bu- yeah. <laughs> yeah. A button called boo. The boo, boo. button. At what point yeah. in the boo game do we hit this button? <laughs> we need those at shows. Did you guys imagine playing a show to that, like fake noise? I feel like that that would be super hard for me to, like, because we feed off the energy so much at a show. Mm. I just can't imagine. Maybe if the lights were bright enough and you didn't see anybody anyways, it wouldn't be a big deal. But um, yeah, when you're just standing on stage, it's a little different than like running around the football field and kind of right. like keeping your eyes forward. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, I always think about that when I see bands like um, Need to Breathe, for example, doing the live stream, like fully produced shows, but to no crowd, you know, Mm -hmm. or August Burns Red did one. And it was, theirs was a little bit different because I think they actually set up a stage, whereas Need to Breathe was kind of like a cinematic set almost. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like (laughs) this, the lead singer is still like, telling people, okay, let's go, you know, like trying to hype up the crowd that isn't there. It's, it's kind of, kind of odd to me, but, mm. um, the other performance of the Super Bowl, the halftime show, obviously the weekend, what did you guys think? Well, they like, you know, they spelled weekend really uniquely. So <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you saying about that before we started go? No, there's, I don't know the exact details, so don't quote me on this, but I, it was something to do with like copyright stuff where, you know, he needed to drop the E in his name in order to like move forward in 
there was another the weekend of some sort somewhere. I know that was really descriptive and I, I pretty much just nailed it <laughs> just there, but But is that a new thing? Has here, he here, been, hasn't he been spelling his name that way for a while? Here, here it is. So I don't know how you say his real name. It's T E S F A Y E. So maybe Tesfe. Mm-hmm. Tess Faye has created his stage name as being inspired by his high school dropout status, claiming after he left one weekend and never came home from high school. Uh, though producer Jeremy Rose claims the name was his idea, so his producers claiming credit for the name. The spelling Classic. was the spelling was modified in order to avoid trademark problems with the Canadian band The Weekend. I didn't. Perfect. I I never even knew. I never even knew that was a thing. Yeah, I don't know if I ever noticed it either. I knew I his song. Funny when it showed up on the screen and it was spelled like that, and I was like, "Wait, wait a sec." So yeah. you told me you told me that Canadian band made all the money from the Super Bowl that the weekend was supposed to make. Well, it's I never, like in Europe, you know, you spell color with a U. You just like throw an extra U in some of their words. I guess yeah. it's just you know. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, all of our European fans are going to be super mad that you said that. Going to be super mad. All none of them. It takes me twice um, as long to spell the word the next word. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you guys think of the performance as a whole, like overall? Oh, that I, was good. Yeah, I really yeah. liked it. I thought it was cool. Like, I obviously went way too deep into it and. You know, there was a ton of people that read into like what the messaging and stuff was that he was trying to send. But I don't know if you guys really kept up with what he's been doing for the last few months. He released that new video um, mm-hmm. where he had like mock plastic surgery. So he, he obviously didn't have the actual plastic surgery, but in the video, it looks like he has right really bad plastic surgery. And every he showed up to some award show. Um, a few months before that with like bandages on his face, like he was getting yep. work done or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then he did this video where he he had like a super inflamed face and it looked really weird. Um, mm-hmm. Botched physical surgery. Uh, ther- oh, plastic surgery. <laughs> botched <Sorry>. physical therapy. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get botched physical. His joints are all messed up, dude. <laughs> Can't even walk. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but, but he looked super strange and then, but it was all just kind of feeding into this, this underlying message. I think from what I've read, you know, that, um, of like everyone trying to fit in to society in Hollywood and trying to like Mm -hmm. change themselves to be a star. And so it, it was cool. I mean, I appreciate the dedication like him doing all that months beforehand and then coming out and doing the Super Bowl. Cause I'm sure he knew it right. way in advance, obviously that he was going to be right. doing the Super Bowl. And so he had this plan and then he came out and it was just himself looked like himself. Everything was fine, but he had all those like, like an army of plastic surgery gone wrong people out right. on, the, <laughs> on the, the field. Anyway, I don't know. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool because there was like no scandal you know, then mm. I, and I think that, that like some of the criticism that I've heard in, in the news since the Super Bowl, uh, people saying like it was kind of boring, but what, what was boring about it? I mean, he had like 
how many people out there with him. The light show was amazing. The dude descended in like a harness down onto yeah. the stage and like the lights, everything. His performance, his singing, you could tell he was actually singing. Mm-hmm. You know, what we heard, you know, e- even though, you know, as a as a singer, you know, there were some parts where it felt like it was a little bit pitchy, but right. he was also running around. He's also doing the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> so, He's in a stadium, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what excuse, you know, do I have for missing a note when he's doing all of that and and nailing it, you know? And right. like when he was, he was walking sh- through that light tunnel, man, I would have been. I so thought lost. that was. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I was. Out of tripped up, ran straight into the wall. Yeah, there's people making comparisons to um, that part of the show where the um, the Grinch with Jim Carrey, where he was like kind of like coming in on the camera yeah. <laughs> during his like. During his meltdown and his weird lair, you know, on the mm-hmm. Grinch movie. But, but like, I know there was like some stuff like that, but it almost seemed like people were trying to find things to, to pick at yeah. because there was nothing wrong with it. You know, mm-hmm. it was just like, and I remember I read something before that said, he, he said that he was going to be doing like a PG performance. And, and that's cool because I feel like, you know, ever since the Janet Jackson thing, mm. you know, with Justin Timberlake, it's like we've always just been expecting something stupid. Like, yeah, some this major is, mishap. This is a side note, but did you guys know that the the one of the co-founders of YouTube started YouTube because there was nowhere on the internet where he could find like good fit footage of that Janet Jackson nip slip thing. Real is that real? Yes, absolutely. One hundred percent. No. No. Crazy. That was he wanted to be like have compilations of videos where like he could, <laughs> they could go back and watch what had happened. So it's uh, super weird. Yeah. All right. Well, so that halftime show is in two thousand four. When did YouTube yep. start? Yeah, yeah. Only that's what I thought the other day when I read that. I was like, holy crap, YouTube is huh. not that old, right? Two thousand five. Oh, that's weird. Actually, almost exactly a year later, because the halftime show was February 1st, and YouTube was founded February 14th of the following year. You know, he was sitting at a party with his friends, and they were like, oh, yeah, let's find that. That was funny, that video. And he was like, I just thought of a great business idea. But if they were to have done that, they would have had to have all like ran to a computer together, because it's not like they just pulled out their phones and were like, let me find that video. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like so how so- weird. social life was so different back then because of how revolved around our phones we are. It's super weird. It also Pretty makes me crazy. really sad that that's the way YouTube was started. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. yeah. Anyway. No, he he did really good. I thought his performance was awesome. He sang really well. Um, mm. He he had a ton of energy. You know, he's not like a Justin Timberlake dancer. You know, he's. Mm-hmm. But he was jumping around and like all his notes were spot on and his lyrics. And they, I love that um, like medley thing that yep. bands are, are kind of required to do at the Super Bowl. It's right. And, and I knew every one of those songs. <clears throat> but, but to be honest with you guys, I didn't even really know about The Weeknd. You know, I, I knew the those songs. The Weeknd came around. <laughs> Super Bowl. <weekend. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I knew the songs, but I didn't really know him him as like a performer. So this made me check into his stuff a little more and Yeah. I thought it was really good. Brother, what'd you think about it? I thought it was good. I thought the same thing about it just being straight up good performance. Um I also really love when artists get creative with their songs and they do the medley and all the work. Like that takes a lot of work to oh, man. do all that key changes, like everything, um, transitions, especially when you're in the middle of a stadium, you know, like coordinating with hundreds of other people around you. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's entertainment and that's like, you know, that's the side of, uh, the music industry that was like born for that specific moment or moments like that, where it's, you know, you're sitting at home on your couch and you're watching this go down on your TV. Um, I'd always be curious to know like what it would be like to just have like straight up rock show instead, you know, without yeah. all the uh, set changes, costume changes, like what if, you know, for one year they just threw it back and did like, you know, straight up like line A, whatever. But right. that comes back to the whole time thing and backing tracks and like getting all the equipment out there, cables, what's wireless, what's not, what's a real instrument, mm-hmm. what's, you know, digital, what's, it's like such a massive thing to coordinate. I can't imagine. Um, have you guys seen that documentary Lady Gaga did? It's on Netflix. It's, I think it's called Five Foot Two or something like that. And she mm-hmm. talks about her Super Bowl performance and stuff in there. And it kind of goes behind the scenes and in depth of everything that it takes to set up the show and like make it happen. And it's, it's pretty intense. Like that's kind of the pinnacle I think of, of a performance that's maybe available mm-hmm. right now. Um, Cause of the high right. stress with like it being live and, you know, so for me, like when I watch something like The Weeknd perform, I'm like, man, that's killer. Like, yeah, I, I can't not appreciate it because it's all I know all the work. Well, I can imagine, but we all work on that other side, too, or you can imagine like everything that has to go into it. But um, yeah, I always think about how long, like how many weeks of rehearsal they do, because it's not like they're just a band getting together and running the songs, mm-hmm. right? Like they have to have all that stuff figured out and then they have to add in all these theatrics and set changes. And I feel like this year's was actually pretty tame in terms of all of that because I think they were trying to minimize the amount of people that were involved and Mm -hmm. they, most of the show didn't even take place on the field, Mm -hmm. which it normally does. So like in years past when they have these massive sets and teams of people like rolling stuff out on the field and stuff like I can only imagine how much time they spend on all of that. Um, I just pulled up an article from last year, and it says the Super Bowl halftime show is 13 minutes long and costs a million dollars a minute. Jeez. Oh, so my God. <laughs> last year's was $13 million for a 13-minute show. Wow. Who did? Who played last year? Oh, I don't even remember. I don't remember either. It's yeah. that forgettable. Well, well, something, uh, brother, you said, you know, it'd be cool to have a band do like the line arrays and do like a real true blue performance. And I feel like one of the 
the ones one of the ones I remember feeling that feel was the red hot chili peppers. But mm. then, you know, before this podcast started, we talked about how the bass player didn't even have anything plugged into his bass, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, it maybe 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 he had some kind of wireless thing that we don't even know about, like just went into his jack or something. I but, think his jack was empty, um, dude. I think that's what the whole thing was. was it? Is it was just like a bass guitar unplugged on his shoulder. Yeah, that sucks. At least like wear a wireless that, pack, you know. I want the yeah. Foo Fighters to do the Super Bowl. Oh, that'd be a good one. Because I feel like they would not be, they would not let any yeah. of that crap fly, you know? Well, do you guys remember, this is going to sound dumb, but didn't the Rolling Stones do it like somewhat recently? Yeah, maybe. I, I can't remember. Um, yeah, wait. I like Google. I feel like we Googled all the time in the beginning of this podcast <laughs> and we would, this is and the you- most... I also just relearned that last year's halftime show was J-Lo and Shakira. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So the Rolling Stones did the Super Bowl in 2006. Oh. So I have to imagine that was probably pretty close to just a straight up rock show. Yeah. And I remember Prince did it a few years back. Yeah. A while back. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool to see the evolution of stuff too. Like, I'm curious to know where with the evolution of music on its own, how the Super Bowl will be in even 10 years from now, like what type of mm. performances we'll see. Um, it kind yeah. of seems like we're getting away from like real instrumentation. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, the weekend's band, you could tell there was a real band there, yeah. but you just couldn't see them. They right. were all like up in the ri- risers kind of weird, but I also get kind of lost. Like, I would like to have seen that show in person because so much of it relied on the TV stream camera angle. Like yeah. I remember at the very beginning of it, I had a really hard time figuring out like what was CGI and what was actually on camera. And mm-hmm. then when I saw him come down from the cable, I realized that everything I had been watching for three minutes was just like <laughs> CGI, <laughs> you know? So Trips I wonder like out. what parts of that are kind of lost in interpretation when you're in person. I think it's it's kind of weird like to think that the show is mostly designed for the people at home. So they do all these weird like camera tricks, but then if you're in person, maybe that stuff doesn't translate as well. Well, you're also at the mercy of the audio that they're feeding us, you know. Mm. So, I don't I don't know, you know, how does it how does it sound when you're actually there? I I just skimmed through this the Rolling Stones in, in 2006 at the Super Bowl, and it looks like and sounds like they're playing everything. Like it, yeah, it looks it looks really good. I, that's the one I'd want to see. You know, just mm. like all of them doing their thing and like actually playing their instruments. But but I totally get it. I, you know, I, and even with you know where we've been trying to adapt our live show, we've been trying to talk about like there's some sounds that we can really bring into the live show that are interesting that we don't want people to miss out on because we're limited by four or five guys on stage, you know, like five guys on stage might not be able to produce this, these multiple, you know, these sounds that it's, it's, you know, all the, all the core stuff is there with the guys on stage, but like these little like ear candy things that are really special um, that you can't replicate mm-hmm. on stage. Um, mm-hmm. 
I get that. And I, I guess a part of me kind of, you know, we come from, I come from feeling like I want to be able to, um, provide enough on stage for you that if the tracks weren't there, you would be entertained. Mm -hmm. But for music like the weekends, you know, I, I kind of feel like his music, his super poppy style definitely lends to like a tracks thing. And, and you know, for right. people that don't know that uh, tracks is stuff that's playing over the speakers that has been pre-recorded or produced that is basically um, complementing what's happening on stage. It doesn't take place for what's happening on stage most of the time, like in a band like ours. <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised, but it shouldn't. Yeah. It shouldn't substitute the the uh, <laughs> meat and potatoes of what you're watching. But I think, you know, the comparison of what we do um, or what we are starting to do compared to what you saw at the Super Bowl was you were basically watching karaoke. You know, like it, it, that audio was all being played through speakers pre-recorded and he was singing to it. You know, there was mm -hmm. no one, no one on stage performing. The well, he had a band. a band. He had a band. Oh, he did. But who knows yeah, you what just parts they're him. playing, you know, it could be. Yeah. So typically, yeah. typically what happens on tracks is like synth parts that are really hard to like very specific sounds to that song or samples or whatever. So like he had, he had a, he for sure had a drummer and had, uh, I think he had some brass and stuff. Um, I mean, when you're spending a million dollars a minute, you might as well bring in some some brass players or, you know, as much real instruments as you can. But um, yeah, for the most part, like he definitely had some tracks going too. And that's what we were talking about with the national anthem when we're talking about like the full band that you couldn't, that wasn't there. Um, they're playing with tracks. But yeah, I think my opinion of musicians playing with tracks has changed drastically um, within the last, I don't know, few years. Um, I used to be such a purist about all things, and I'm like the complete opposite now. I used to think that tracks was cheating and that you were like fooling fooling your fans or whatever, but then I started listening to more pop music and seeing artists do it in a way that makes sense and... Um, I think the key is, like we said, you don't just like completely copy paste all of the music and then um, just dance around to it on stage. But when there's like a full band, four or five piece band, there are some sounds, like we said, that you just can't replicate. Um, that's what the track's coming for. Because otherwise, like some of those songs, they wouldn't even be fun. Like you would miss so much. It'd be such a hollow sound, I think. Yeah, and we always play, you know, pretty much every piece that you hear on the record. Um, but we also, we do play everything in the studio. And when the album is being tracked in that setting, sometimes we use sound replacement things where, you know, we might have originally written it with this acoustic guitar, but that acoustic guitar turned into a piano part or like, there's different sounds right. that kind of come in to replace it. And so when you get on stage, say you want both and say you do want the acoustic guitar over the top of it, then, you know, you do have that option to have that underneath and just beef it out some more too. But, um, you know, I'm, su I'm super excited about um, just watching other artists and seeing somebody like The Weeknd get up there and play or just even YouTube or 
or other live shows back before the unnamed thing was happening. Because I get really inspired seeing how people get creative um, using both mm. technology and music right. together. So uh, we've started to do that a lot more, especially with the new stuff. And um, I used to I used to be with you, Jake. Like so that part of me was like, oh, I just want to be real. Like I want to be able to do mm-hmm. this with my hands. Otherwise, it's not going to count. And then I realized the power behind putting everything together. And it's been really fun. Well, I think we realized like we would get on stage and the songs just wouldn't feel fleshed out with four people. Like there was always, not all the time, like I'm a firm believer that not every song needs it. And if you're like trying to think of ways to add tracks to songs, you might just end up detracting from the song itself. But there are some songs that we would play that just felt super empty, Um, especially if we didn't like have a keys player for that night or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I think as the duo something about it, yeah, like acoustically when it's just Tyler and I, people have asked us like, are you guys playing with something? It's like, no, like in that setting, we don't, we just, it's just what, what you hear is literally what we're playing. Um, And it's a completely different thing. Like you said, Jake, it's like you strip it down to no production and, in the band setting, you're like putting on this giant show with like this whole aspect of um, you're an entertainer also. And you have to like, mm. you know, facilitate that with those sounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, to t- I had to take a drink <laughs> of my pin hook whiskey. Sorry. I was, I was part. It's okay. Um, we were going to kind of move on to a, a little bit of a touchy subject, I think. Um, you know, going back and looking at those other bands playing um, at previous Super Bowls, I it makes me feel a little bit better because I can see how many people were there, like down in the audience and watching the performance. Mm. Um, I would say that the only time that I kind of shook my head a little bit was at the end of the Super Bowl when um, the uh the buccaneers went up and accepted the trophy right you know it it seemed like there was a ton of people right there in front of the stage and it just was kind of ironic you know the president coming on before we played saying you know stay safe stay home stay separated and then like right seeing basically what we've been hearing from the cdc and stuff is don't even get together at your house and watch the super bowl you know right and when when has that been more than 10 people ever right i don't think i've ever had 10 people in the room when i was watching the super bowl maybe eight maybe Mm. probably less so um just that and then you know seeing what we saw it made me feel kind of bummed because (laughs) i think it kind of feeds into this this whole thing that's been the confusion of right the pandemic of like what what is right and what should we be doing and um you know if so many people are sacrificing um you know not just not not even the people that are sacrificing their jobs and losing careers but like how many of us thrive on like spending time with people on the weekends or like you know going going out and getting together with people and right it just uh it just kind of speaks to i think you know like football 
as light. It's a, it's a religion, <laughs> dude. There's this weird yeah. thing about just sport in general. Like, I don't know what other countries are doing, but I know that some of like the European soccer leagues are playing with like, that is way more of a, of a religion over there than American football is here. Yeah. Too. Football. And, yeah. Football. The real football, I guess you could say, <laughs> depending on where you're from. But yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Like, it's odd to me because I can tell that they're doing a lot of things to try to make it happen responsibly. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, um, I'm trying to think of how to word this. Um, I think a lot of people will just say that, you know, it's just a cash cow, so they'll do whatever it takes to make the money. And I don't like that. I don't like that stance because everybody wants to make money, you know, and if you have the budget to like try to do it right and do it responsibly and um, follow the guidelines, then by all means do that. So like they had a very small attendance compared to the, the size that the stadium could hold. And um, the expectation is that those people all wear masks when they're in the stadium, unless they're actively eating or drinking, which is not, not different from like, if you go out to eat, you know, you, we can do those things for the most part. Um, but the thing that I have trouble with is knowing that like, I am all for them doing that if they're all being responsible and doing that stuff. But the thing that I have trouble with is knowing that at NFL games prior to the game, most of the people are out in the tailgate or in the parking lot yeah. tailgating, you know, like, I don't know if certain stadiums are like not allowing that or policing that or whatever, but I just, I have seen videos from um, Kansas city in their stadium um, of people like the AFC championship was a couple weeks ago. And I watched this video of like 10 Buffalo fans all together, not wearing masks, all basically right on top of each other, throwing a guy onto a table, you know, just like <laughs> typical stuff, you know, um, but yeah. the, those people that are throwing each other onto tables probably aren't going to be the people that are super responsible and like wanting to wear masks and things. So, um, well, I think we can say, um, personally, we have all had someone that we know be affected by it and it's not right. just the flu or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 the, the person gets sick in a new way. And mm -hmm. especially, um, you know, we, we have someone close to us that um, had some pre-existing health stuff that is is really having a hard time right now, and I, and it's it's just one of those things where, um, you know, being in my hometown right now, uh, obviously everything here, as you would expect, um, is pretty lassitudinal on the mask wearing and the right. Um, but it, every time I go into the store and I see someone wearing a mask, I, I always think to myself, you know, I think that person is more concerned about their health and who they might be giving it to. Yeah. Right. It, right. You know, it, if, if you go into a public situation thinking, um, well, I don't want to give it to anyone else. Well, that, I guess that's basically the most unselfish thing you could do during everything that's happening right now. But right. I think at the very least, people that know that they have family members or you know friends that are in a high risk group want to protect them. You know, I I'm not worried about personally. I'm not worried about getting sick. 
you know, mm-hmm. it, and never have been since it started. You know, it. I know that I I try to take care of myself, and I don't have any any conditions. But you know, there's people like my son, my baby son. You know, I I think about you know if I were to get it and then come home and hold him or whatever, and then right, it, he has no. He doesn't have a 28-year-old immune system like right. I have, you know? And so it's just, but then on the other side of that, I'm thinking like, we've been, we've been, you know, just talking about the game and how it all went. It's been so confusing for us yeah. to understand exactly what we need to do. And I, and I was kind of disheartened during the game and like, those celebrations and stuff because it kind of felt like, well, nobody really talked about that being a problem. Right. You know, I, I, I woke up Monday and nobody on the news said, yeah, everybody at the Super Bowl got sick. The thing, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and they won't, you know, in, in two weeks, if there's a surge or something, it won't be because of the Super Bowl. And it's, it's just one of those things. Like we, mm. football as Americans and, yeah, and and then the other part of me is not even mad because I know we need it. Yeah. You know, like we need some sort of normalcy. And there was obviously thousands and thousands of less people there. And, you know, Jake, you said there was like 25,000 cardboard cutouts or something. There's 30,000 cardboard cutouts. So it's like, okay, that's, they're, they're doing something, yeah. you know, but I just get confused as a, a man trying to navigate how to keep my family healthy and keep and and I lost I basically lost my job right for a year. You know, I I get really confused when I see that game and those and I know as many people were there were as many people that could be at our show less yeah. you know would be at our show. And and in the same proximity, you know, and I, I get I get really frustrated because I've I've basically spent almost a year sacrificing everything about my career mm. to avoid a situation like that and putting people in harm's way or getting sick. And then I see I'm sitting on a couch watching that <laughs> happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting example for sure. And uh, yeah, I think immediately following the Super Bowl, I saw a lot of posts from musicians specifically, you know, saying, why, why is it that we're watching exactly what you just said? Why is it that we're watching this game with 25,000 people there, but I can't play a show with a hundred or 200 people, people, you know, exactly. Um, I, I'm going to get roasted for this. I know because it's it's such a, an emotional thing and I don't want to take away from that like I can't imagine being in a position where I've lost my livelihood but I feel like it's hard to it's hard to draw an apples to apples comparison between the two. I'm not yeah. saying that the football game is correct. You know, I think there's a lot of issues there and I I explained that like there's obvious issues with it. But I think there is a pretty significant difference between you know, having people in an open air stadium versus packing people. You know, like we've all been to shows, like especially the venues that we've played, like a 300 or a 500 person room. If there's 300 people there, they're all very close together. You it's know? a club. It, it's inside. 
and like, do you want to be in the position where you're telling people that they have to wear a mask to go to your show or like, I I don't know whose job that is. Right. And I don't know if the venues want to be in a position where they have to be policing people. So it's just the whole thing is the whole thing is very confusing, like you said, but I think it's important to try not to always draw apples to apples comparisons. Yeah. You know, because it's just, it's an easy way to get really um, bummed out. But I know that a lot of musicians were watching that game because they wanted to see the only show they'd be able to see this year, which was the halftime (laughs) show. (laughs) I I thought it was funny that they kept saying the best performance of the year. And my girlfriend and I were like, well, yeah, it's the like only notable (laughs) performance of the year. Like, I know there have been some shows happening depending on where you live, but in terms of grant, like large scale musical performances, that has been it. So, um, well, and it it was outside, like you said, which I think is a, is a big deal. And, and this time of year, you know, where it's still cold, most of, uh, the country is cold. Right. It was 10, it was 10 degrees here, you know, today. I, I totally get it, you know, and and I'm and I'm not. I think that's the reason I'm not super bitter about it is is um, I think there is something to any kind of sickness. Not being in an enclosed area is right. probably better for you. But brother, you should if you can, if you want to, um, and if you don't, we can just edit this whole part out <laughs> where I'm talking about it. But you should talk about the shows that we're gonna do this spring and like how we're trying to. Like nothing's really set in stone. I mean, we're trying to put together some really small outdoor backyard shows, um, basically where we show up and kind of roll in and set our own PA system up and play for like an hour or an hour and a half. And everybody's spaced out laying, you know, sitting on their blankets or in their lawn chairs in their backyard, uh, you know, BYOB type of thing. They're, it's either like families and um, their close bubble of friends that come out right. that they can invite whoever they want, and it's really limited capacity. But the whole the difficult thing is like we're in a position where it's like we have to really be conscious of this because we're we're trying to plan this for late spring, and if things change, then you know we're not gonna be able to do it. We're gonna have to push it back. But like the plan is. If we can make it happen, you know, try to do what we can to um, follow guidelines because each state's different, you know, like there's certain cities where they require you to be like, you know, go take a test and be COVID free for 72 hours. And I think more so if you're like flying into the city, not so much maybe driving through, but. Um, there's like a lot of hurdles to jump over with just little things from state right. to state. And the whole idea of this was like, you know, it's been almost a year, um, you know, it'll be a year in March since we played a show, but we wanted to get back out and to start playing a couple new songs and, you know, start to play some, some music and connect with people again, but try to do it in a way that makes sense. And if it's outside and it's, you know, small gatherings and people aren't sardines in a venue like you guys were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like it might be possible by then with, it just really depends on like the vaccines and how things mm. kind of progress, how the new strains might come to be. And so it's like, we're still kind of weighing it all, but 
that's the idea right now. Um, you know, probably won't be back into venues until, you know, hypothetically fall of this year. And then if not, then maybe not even till spring of 2022. So yeah. Throughout the rest of this year, it's kind of like take advantage of the time we have at home to work in the studio to create a bunch of music. But also, if there's a opportunity for us to do this, like we, we're just going to kind of try it out and see. And if things change, then we'll have to push it back. And if not, then, you know, it's an opportunity for us to get out and play. And, and we don't want to be selfish with that either, we, you know, like you guys were just talking about the last thing that we want to do is risk, like put people at risk and ask them to get together and, you know, put their, if, even if they don't have pre existing conditions, like they could take it home to somebody else or pass it on yep. or the worst case scenario, like, you know, one of us gets it and then we carry it to the next place. It's like, right. All the, the worst case scenarios, you like have to almost, you almost have to do that. Mm-hmm. in this situation because it's still kind of a gamble and you know normally we're doing the meet and greet and we're shaking hands and doing photos and it, it's not going to be that it's it's yeah. going to be really distanced and we show up and play and take off you know and yeah. it's like at that point too is it going to be enjoyable like better than nothing maybe but <laughs> yeah that's hard yeah it's hard to not do all of the stuff we normally do but it's kind of yeah. what we're thinking it seems like if as long as everybody is clear on what the expectations of the event are you know it should it should be okay and i think based on everything that i know which isn't a lot cuz it seems to change every day but being outside definitely helps especially if the sun is shining mm, um yeah. So like, you know, I don't know if maybe in the short term we start to see more like summer festivals or something. Um, I would really hope so because, you know, I, I just, I don't think that we can keep going on just from like a mental health standpoint of people not being able to do anything they enjoy. You know, like I haven't yeah, been displaced hard. from my job, so I have that going for me. But the fact that I haven't been able to do anything fun, you know, in the last yeah. year is really starting to to bum me out. And I think a lot of people are in worse positions than that. So yeah, I I don't have any answers and I don't think any of us do, or that's what we're trying to say. But um, I'm at least hopeful that maybe this spring as we get out of winter and the sun is shining and people can be outside again, like maybe uh, things start to turn up. Maybe, you know, we find out that there wasn't a giant spike due to the Super Bowl, and that's like a data point that we can, that the country can use to make some new plans. But I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah, it's hard to navigate. You know, every industry is different, and every state is different with guidelines. And it's like, you know, the government can only do so much. And then it's people are also responsible for trying to. De- not spread a virus to everybody else and right when you're battling like thoughts of you know like the suicide rate's been way up because of it when you're battling that stuff and depression you know it's just it's a lot of it's not like one thing you can apply to everything there's so many different factors there's so many different Mm. things it's just a hard thing yeah yeah we're just we're just you know even if what we do for a living um, 
is a little bit, a little bit different than the next guy. We're just people trying to figure out what's the best thing and how to keep people safe and still do our job at the same time. Like these are the questions that everyone is asking themselves right now, you know, and we're not, we're not doing anything new by trying to say it's essentially for us doing these small shows this spring. It's the same as a fortune 500 company saying, can we bring 10 to 20 people back in the office in a safe way? And right. Just it's it's no different. It's just all about trying to keep everybody comfortable. And like Jake, you said, you know, if everybody's on the same page and knows how it's gonna go, and you know, it's you know, so much of shows is like hugs and handshakes and like face to face stuff. And if if everybody understands um, that this is gonna look a little different, we're still gonna be able to enjoy music and. And spend some time together, mm. but it's just not it's not gonna be quite the same and until everything's back to normal. Who knows when that'll yeah. be, you know? But um I I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, I I said that stuff about the game, like, you know, sitting here basically quote unquote losing my job and then watching people get together and I'm not I'm not bitter. And I'm also not stupid. Like I realize <laughs> there's a difference between the Super Bowl and <laughs> and yeah. the Talbot Brothers show. You know, I I get it, and I also get you know, brother, what you said about people. You know, you can, you know, there's a lot about the detrimental and negative effect that keeping everybody home for an entire year has done. Yeah. You know, and there's people talking to you know domestic violence and like brother you said suicide rates and drug use have gone up and like that's all really scary but i also think we're all just trying to do as as people we're trying to do the best we can with the information that we're given you know and i and i can tell you having a family member get sick you know has shed some light for me, you know, up until then, I had sort of just put it at arm's length, like, okay, I guess I can't do my normal stuff. Right. <laughs> but but having that person get sick and be in the hospital and be on a ventilator and all that, like, has really, really put it into perspective for me. Like, I don't want to mess this up. Mm-hmm. Like, I want I, I want to do my job right so that that doesn't happen to people. Mm-hmm. I don't want... You know, there was a part of me that was really upset that I couldn't just throw 200 people into a club and play my, and do my job, you know, but it's so much bigger than that, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and, you know, I, it, the, the personal, the, the guilt that I would feel if we did a show with all precautions to the wind and just, I, I would never forgive myself for that. So I, yeah, you know. The Super Bowl was awesome. It was really great. I totally get some people got together like in the audience and it's 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 yeah. fine, you know. Well, it's like we'll I said never know. there was there was some obvious <laughs> issues with it, but it's not like they didn't do anything to try to make it responsible. Yes. And that's how it will be with anything. It's just when you have yes. 25,000 people, like the it scales up pretty quickly, right? 
scale so if you have 10 scales people, up, there's yep. going to be maybe three or four people that do something that they shouldn't or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. it's right. a high percentage, you, but now you know, <laughs> yeah, never I, know. I don't know, dude, that, you guys don't pay me to, to do that. You pay me to play drums. <laughs> yeah, we do. So shut up. Get on the drums. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I hope it works out. Um, and I, like I said, I hope that everybody who's listening can start to enjoy some things coming up here in the spring. Um, episode 20 of Similar Vein Podcast. Hopefully this has been something that you've been able to enjoy the last few weeks while you have nothing better to do. Um, be sure to subscribe, <laughs> rate, write a review. Uh, if you haven't already, hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast and let us know uh, what you thought of this episode and maybe some things that you want to hear more from, more of from us in the future. Um, until then, take care and we'll see you guys next time. See y'all. Hey, guys. <laughs>